just to add in the discussion about Hitta Mechira, that over the years there has been um, some amount of friction, I think, over this particular topic, um, because um, many people consider it uh, to be no allowance whatsoever, uh, where others uh, very much um, abide by this uh, arrangement because of the practical considerations. And what I would um, suggest, which I think is a relevant comment, I hope it's a relevant comment, is that maybe the two positions on this particular discussion reflect two different worldviews, Weltanschauung. The Weltanschauung of Rav Kook and rabbis after him in Israel was to see Israel in, it, in, co- in the context of the world community. In the context of the world community, Israel is known as an agricultural uh, uh, country, it produces fantastic fruits, etc. And the world markets are obviously the focus, not just the home market, but the export market is the focus of the country. So in order to facilitate this worldview, sometimes the halakha would have to be not abandoned, God forbid, but certainly allowances would have to be found in order to make sure that the economic future of the country is established. For Rav Karelitz, for the Chazanish, and for the, the Haredi community, it's much more about self-preservation in Israel, and I don't think they saw it as a big picture, but much more as a localized, what I would call small picture, which again reflects a debate, I think it's, this is a debate, L'Shem Shemaim, but does reflect two different worldviews. The Haredi view very much is that, you know, we're um, established, we've established ourselves in Israel, and we want to keep the halacha to the highest level. When the Torah says, don't work during the Shemitah year, that's what we will follow. And to this very day, as I said, this is a very significant uh, area of discussion in Eretz Israel. It's just interesting uh, coming up to all of this debate again in the, in the very near future. Um, I will share with you one story which uh, uh, applies to me uh, during the Shmiti of 1980. We were living in Israel, and uh, uh, my wife's grandmother, who was a really wonderful lady, uh, had made Aliyah to Israel in the 1950s. And she lived on Kibbutz Lavi, which I hope many have visited. It's a beautiful, beautiful place to visit. And Kibbutz Lavi, being one of the flagships of the Kibbutz Adati movement, of the Mizrahi movement, was very much um, bound by the Heta Mechira, the sale of the land for Shemitah purposes. And in 1980, we, um, when we were living in Israel, we decided to go and visit my wife's grandmother. This was always a very big pleasure for us to go up there. Um, we lived in Jerusalem, and we traveled up to Kibbutz Lavi, which is near Tiveria. And it, it was just fantastic uh, prospect for us. Um, and the two nights before we left, I get a phone call from a cousin who lives in Bnei Brak or I think in Yerushalayim, but the equivalent of Bnei Brak. And uh, this cousin heard that we're going to visit Kibbutz Lavi, which was fine, and he said, you know, wish us a safe trip, etc. But he wanted to bring to my attention the necessity for me to take food with me. Why would I have to take food with? Because they do not uh, keep Shemitah there, they rely on the allowance that I've explained called Heta Mechira. Now, I was pretty shocked. Because, and I said this, the cousin's name is Avram Hiller. I said, Avram Hiller, just wait a second. I said that when it comes to 
Schmitter, according to most opinions, as we said before, are most opinions hold Schmitter is biblical or rabbinic? So he said, most opinions rabbinic, midrabbanan. I said, fine. I said, put that on one side. I said, putting someone to shame. I said, is that biblical for, uh, prohibition or rabbinic? He said, absolutely forbidden. Biblical, 100%. You're not allowed to shame somebody in public, in pro- whatever. So I said, listen, think about it. If I go to Kibbutz Lavi, where they do not keep Schmitter coin to the standard, they're not eating something which is uh, forbidden to eat. They're just not keeping the highest standard as you understand it. That's a rabbinic uh, discussion, fine, according on a rabbinic law. But if I take food with, and sit at the table eating my own food, am I not putting my wife's grandmother to shame? Safta, you know, she's a, she was a wonderful lady. She would have put up with anything that we would have done. But I think it would have not, you know, be seen as anything but a a um, an act of disrespect to the kibbutz for sure, and certainly to to to, to this wonderful lady. And the cousin from Bnei Brak thought about it, and I think he understood where I was coming from. We did not take food with. We actually went to Lavi, and we enjoyed a beautiful Shabbat there. And one of um, my wife's other cousins was there. He uh, was studying in a yeshiva, which was um, more towards the style of Mizrahi. He was uh, in Hezda. Um, and I asked him, I said, his name's Yankla. I said, Yankla, what is... Uh, I told him about this conversation, and I said, what is your view on this? So he said, interesting, I should ask him, because he had the same question. He wanted to, um, at home, for instance, he does not, tries to avoid using products which are based on the Heta Mechira, which is fair enough. But he said that going to Lavi, what should he do? He wasn't sure. So he went to ask of Shlomo Zaman Orbach, one of the great rabbis of Yerushalayim, the god Lador, of our generation who passed away in 1995. This was in 1980. So he went to Rabbi Orbach, and Rabbi Orbach was a man of infinite wisdom. And Rabbi Orbach put it very bluntly, very, very succinctly. He said, listen, what you do at home is your business. But when you go to somebody else's house, if you, by demanding a level of observance which is not in the other person's house. It's not that you're doing something which is wrong, forbidden. It's just it's not up to the level of what you keep in your own home. He said that would definitely be be putting somebody to shame and is clearly not acceptable. What he said, the equivalent of do as the Romans do, which um, makes perfect sense and really was what I had already decided I was going to do. And I was glad to hear that uh, Raborabach actually uh, was of the same opinion. And it's something which to this very day is, uh, I'm sure, uh, an issue of contention. There are obviously you know, different levels of religious observance in, in many families. And I am sure that when the, the law was given, it was not meant to divide families, but obviously we understand the ways of Torah, the ways of peace, not the ways of, of, of uh, dispute. However, the reality today is that this is uh, something which is coming to the forefront yet again in very, very short uh, time, another couple of weeks. And I felt it was worthy of our attention to be aware of the issue. Please God, we should all get to Israel very, very soon. We should um, uh, enjoy being in Israel in the very near future because it's something that we are all desperate to do, I'm sure all of us. Uh, we've been starved of being able to go to Israel now for, for nearly two years, and um, that's a long time. However, 
to, uh, we should all be aware that, you know, there are these arrangements which are made, there are other allowances which the Haredi community does rely on. Um, when we lived there in 1980, one of the uh, scandalous things that went on was that the um, uh, people put out a note, put out a, an announcement that, peop- that the the Heta uh, the allowance, should not be relied on and people should buy from the Arabs which again always amazed me that that surely was not the purpose of Shemitah, that we should go and give the Arabs Panasah. However, the, uh, the, the Arabs were very smart, and they of course went um, initially to the, to the, uh, to the big uh, uh, wholesalers, Tanuva and uh, people like that, and bought from the Jews, and then sold it on to the, uh, the Jewish customers who had come, thinking that the Arab had grown it himself. And again, the whole thing was ridiculous. So uh, that was not um, um, a practical piece of advice. And um, uh, other other avenues were allowed, something called Otsara Beidin, which is again an interesting arrangement which does go on in many communities in Israel. The issue of using the Shemitah produce outside Israel is again something which does require certain halachic guidance. Um, I personally feel, just my own personal opinion, that Shemitah was not given for us to avoid produce from Eretz Israel. Many people will be making pronouncements in the next weeks and months. This is what you should avoid if it comes from Israel. Uh, I think quite the contrary. I honestly believe that we should uh, be proud of what comes from Israel and support it. Now, if it's Heta Mechira produce, then we will treat, you know, if you want to fulfill the halacha, um, as it will be fulfilled in Israel, you treat the produce with a certain amount of extra respect. You don't throw away the peels and you put them into a ziplock and you you um, uh, you know you leave them at the side and then you sort of uh, there are different ways of dealing with it that you treat the fruit or whatever it is with extra um, level of uh, respect, kedusha, whatever word you want to use. But the reality of it is that to me the uh, shmiti should be a statement of pride in Eretz Israel, not an opportunity to avoid produce from Eretz Israel. And this applies to Etrogim, which come from Israel. There will be a whole discussion very soon about that. Uh, this year, not so much because they're grown in the sixth year, the ones that we'll be getting, but obviously the Etrogim next year will be Etrogim grown in the Shemitah year. So, Putting all this uh, together, it is a very interesting debate, something which has been going on since the 1880s, and you'll find uh, discussion already going back into Talmud about what you would do in a situation where, you know, you're under pressure, you have to grow produce, and there's a whole discussion in Talmud that the Roman authorities, when the Romans were in control of Israel, they would demand certain taxes, so the rabbis said, how are we going to pay these taxes if we're not growing anything in the land? Because the taxes, uh, you know, that's where they got their, their livelihood from. So allowances were made in those days, and of course the, these things are studied to see uh, what precedent can be established from the ancient world into the modern world. The bottom line is, of course, let's hope that, please God, very, very soon we will be able to keep the laws of Shemitah the way they were meant to be kept, uh, together with the laws of Yova, the law of the Jubilee year. And um, this discussion will become something academic as opposed to um, the reality of what it is at the moment, which is, unfortunately, uh, can be quite divisive. Um, I want to um, 
move on in a way to a similar topic in terms of looking at the land of Israel, and that is the question of land for peace. Um, we're talking about the Hetamichira selling the land of Israel, and that in itself, of course, is, uh, as I said, very sort of it's an emotional, kind of almost controversial concept. Um, uh, that we will be selling the land of Israel, but of course, when it comes to land for peace, it is about giving away the land um, for peace. And the question then is, again, halachically, would that be allowed, or would it not be allowed? Um, let's uh, take some questions here. Just one second. 